0: Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm the other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite craft beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair, and listen in for the next little while. As
1: we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message.
0: Dennis, buddy, how are you doing today?
1: Well, oh, Bear, it's a chilly one today, isn't it? It's a, I'd say it's a dunkel kind of day, but there is sun shining there. So not, not quite a dunkel kind of day, but it, it's, not it's a quite, little chilly.
0: Not quite a dunkel kind of day, but it is chilly. So it is a day for a darker beer, a fuller beer, uh, full bodied, kind of like myself. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you would have to agree with that. Yeah, you. Well, I had a
1: stout last week, so I can't. Or a couple of weeks ago when we were on, so I don't have a stout this week, unfortunately. But yeah, you're kind of right about that.
0: Well, I I have a a porter because I'm kind of portly. But uh, we'll get into our beers in a couple minutes. No IPAs this week. No IPAs are for the summer, so you got a couple months before we bring those
1: out. Seventy-five percent of the year, but yeah, go on.
0: While well, the sun's always shining where I am, pal. Oh, that's, yes, that's that's right. why <laughs> that's God's why shining
1: is light on you. <laughs>
0: uh, but before we introduce our beers today, Dennis, I wanted to ask you, do you have any shout-outs that you want to I, make? And you're a part of this shout-out. It's my uh,
1: it's my my colleagues at work. I had this week was the first time I had worked with my colleagues in about nine months. And uh that I had seen many of them. So it was great to see all. It was great to being back to work in person again, face to face. And a lot of them, you know, welcomed me back. So that's my shout out for this week and yourself.
0: I didn't see you all
1: week. I know, and that's the problem. We're seeing too much of each other now. It was nice when we just see each other regularly. Now we're seeing each other every day, aren't we, Robert? It's good to see you again.
0: Of and It's good to see you. And it was good to have you back in the building and, and Thank good you. to Thank you. to continue yeah. the banter outside of it. I have to apologize. As you were giving your shout outs, the alarm went off on my phone. I forgot to turn that off. Uh, as we're recording this, it is now three in the afternoon, the hour of divine mercy. So I have my alarm go off for the hour of divine mercy. And I always, when that happens, just quickly say, Jesus, I trust in you. Nice. Yes. Um, Now, for myself, for the the shout outs, and hopefully no alarms go off while I'm giving my shout outs, I have two shout outs today. uh, And both of them are other Catholic podcasters out there. Uh, First shout out goes to the Catholic Canuck. We mentioned the Catholic Canuck in our last episode. Uh, David is a, a great friend of ours, a great podcaster uh up in edmonton up in kind of northernish alberta up here northwest canada, canada yep and uh, he has a great show great content uh and uh, he's given us a couple of shout outs in the last little while actually his most recent episode as we're recording this uh is with another great podcaster from the podcast world uh that would be myself um, but no, thank, thank you. Thank you to David and the Catholic Canuck for your, your support of the Pints and Pews podcast and helping not just get the word out about our podcast, but helping get the word out uh, about Christ and his church. Uh, and in the same way as another guest that we had on the show a little while back, uh, William Hemsworth of Know the Faith, Defend the Faith, uh, is his podcast. He's out of Tucson, Arizona. So right, right. Uh, definitely a different climactic region. Uh, I was recording a podcast with him yesterday uh talking about my new book Five Smooth Stones hey you're you're on the virtual tour of your uh, book tour aren't you Robert yeah it's i just want i, I just few, had huh? to throw that plug in there yeah um but I, he was there in shorts and a t-shirt and we're up here freezing ah. under a couple feet of snow right uh but again great work he uh, he recently republished his episode here that he did with us. Okay. Uh, through his own social media network, uh, he also does great stuff, great content, great story. Uh, he has amazing guests as well. So that's another podcast I would also encourage our listeners to check out.
1: Now, that's, If they, if our listeners still want to get a hold of your book, uh, is there ways to get
0: a hold of that book now? Yeah. If they were to swing by the website CatholicMoment.ca. Uh, They'll find a link there for the book. Uh, They can pick it up there, Uh, as well through the publisher, Justin Press. And again, if you're looking for great Catholic reading, uh, a small Canadian press, uh, justinpress.ca. They're out of Ottawa. Uh, They publish also amazing stuff. One of their their biggest name authors, uh, definitely not myself, uh, but Michael O'Brien of Father Elijah fame um they don't publish his novels but they publish a lot of his catholic commentary okay so uh, and, and if are you doing any more virtual book tours in the next or podcast in the next few weeks
1: or anything like that that people uh,
0: can catch you on maybe or once we get up? through the end of this term at school okay. and we can come up for breath i'm going to start looking into that so yeah Good. watch for that on the facebook page uh when that comes up we'll we'll mention it here uh I know there's something in the works for Broughton's bookstore, which is in Toronto. Uh, so, those that know the, the GTA, the best way to describe it is highways 404 and 401 uh, in that general area. Right. Uh, so, but again, watch for that. Uh, it was supposed to happen actually next weekend. Um, but with the COVID restrictions and everything that's going on, we've put it off. It'll be somewhere end of March, maybe through April. So hopefully, hopefully
1: uh, so we'll be there in person.
0: God willing. Yeah. God willing. That's enough about me. That's enough about the book. Okay. Um, we can never drink. talk enough about uh, uh, our shout outs, but yeah. What are you drinking today? Yeah. Um, I've got
1: my, I think I had this once last year, a nice German wheat beer. Like I'm not a huge wheat beer fan. I don't know what you feel about the wheat beers. Robert, are you into the wheat
0: beers? I don't like them at all. At Uh, all. See? I don't know. When I was living in Germany and they always said that the big thing was the wheat beers. You have to have the wheat beer, the vice beer, vice beer, vice beer. And I had one or two and it was like, no, it just doesn't do it for me. Okay, this is a Hacker
1: Shore out of of Munich, but I find, and I got into the wheat beers about five or six Christmases ago. It's not a beer like, uh, you know, maybe an IPA in the middle of summer where you can have three or four. It's kind of where you have one or two, but I find it just, it's just a nice drop. And if it's a German wheat beer, they do it well. I do not like the wheat beers that go very citrusy, and this is not a citrusy one. A lot of the wheat beers I find too citrusy, but no, I, I like this one. I've had it before. I don't know how you would describe a wheat beer. I mean, I wouldn't ask you because you're, you're not a huge fan. I, was,
0: I can't even remember the last time I had a wheat beer, to yeah. be quite honest with you.
1: But if you can hear it, I, I wonder why it
0: sounds like a champagne. Yeah, well, they always called it the explosive beer, that it was kind of oh, highly okay. carbonated. Uh, and again, like all of the beers in Europe, it had its special glass. Oh, as well, and they had a special way to pour it that you kind of put the glass on top of the bottle and then you just turn the whole thing upside down and let it come right. out like that. So you can describe that little thing on the top a here, nice right? little hacker pashawk, and it's yeah. got the porcelain uh swing top that goes yeah. in, like the, the porcelain stopper that goes like in. Like, on
1: what, what other famous beer has that in Europe? The, that the, was um, the the, the Grosch. Grosch.
0: that's right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know what do you
1: got today.
0: Well, I what is a porter? A porter, it's uh. It's like a, a lot. Li- it's a lot like a stout. It's a lot mm. like a stout, and it's named for the clientele that originally drank it. So in London, the porters you carry your suitcases around. Would were the ones that were oh. were drinking this beer. I had wanted. I had thought about getting uh, a Trappist beer or a, <laughs> an Abbey ale oh. because we are going to be talking about brewing nuns in a, in the right. next little bit. Uh, I just didn't have time to get out to the liquor store to pick that up. No, and
1: I was looking at – I know you've had the Chimay on before, and I, I really want to get some of those Trappist so yes, beers. So, them. Closer.
0: so we'll have to make a stop to get that. But I did yeah. get – it's a St. Amhoise uh, Baltic Porter. Baltic. And, huh? Baltic, and, and I really – I've never had this before. It was a Christmas gift from my in-laws. Nice uh god bless my portuguese Holy in-laws and yeah, 8.8.2 strong so beer that's like I,
1: double of beer
0: i could be having a nap before we're yeah. done yeah, uh, we're dinner but god bless my portuguese in-laws who knew that i enjoy nice craft beers but really didn't know so they just went to the store and they asked the guy at the store what would be good and he pointed him towards the the saint Amboise. was um and it's like a, a dark mixer pack. So there's the Baltic Porter. There's a, an oat stout. There's a black mm. lager. And I'm, I'm not sure what the last one is. But yeah. I haven't had this before, so I'm really interested.
1: Let's have a little pour. Oh, we'll Let's see how dark pour. that is. Oh, well, yeah, that's dark. Yeah,
0: yeah that's what so that's. Mm-hmm.
1: If it had a bigger head, it could just pass for a Guinness. But, it, oh. it yeah, okay, it's developing now. Yeah, it does look like yeah. that would be looks exactly like a stout. You won't get that all in, Robert. There's no way.
0: Not not today. Not not I'm now. finding that recently, and maybe it's because I've got the temperature in my beer fridge set so low because I like it. Porters and stouts are not um, meant to be that cold. Yeah, but it's but I'm finding the porters and stouts, because it's so cold, they're actually generally not foaming up like that. It's been the the lagers and the ales yeah. that as I open it, they almost jump right out of the, the tin. Right. But maybe because they're supposed to be like I know with the ales, right?
1: Just just above below room temperature. If you get them in an English pub or an Irish pub, they're never they're never bitterly cold like the lagers or the pilsners. But so you're what you're it.
0: saying is I shouldn't keep my beer fridge at or at or around freezing. No, I think maybe with the stout
1: or the porter or the ale, maybe you take it out like an hour before or something like that, just yeah. to give it that little cool down yeah. period.
0: And I don't we don't and, want to
1: spend too much time on that.
0: And you're saying that I notice as I drink the stouts and the porters that the flavor becomes fuller and fuller the longer I get into it so the, the longer it's been out the as it warms up
1: yeah uh, kind of like um you know taking your wine out and making sure that's decanted
0: before you start drinking your red wine and stuff I don't yeah, know letting it breathe for, for that a letting bit. it breathe yeah so we'll have to look at it. if there's any listeners out there that are experts in that domain please the do domain. domain yeah let, let us know right? uh, what is I, mean, I know i could do a google search uh as well but you know what is the ideal temperature for a beer fridge right that, that would that yeah. would be good to know that would be good to That's know good but let's say grace before beer so we can right. uh, take our first step and imbibe in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant, through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body and peace in soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the
1: Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Not
1: bad. About eleven minutes in, and we got our first sip. That's pretty good for you, Roberto. Cheers, Cheers buddy. Uh, and you know what I love about the wheat beer? It's always cloudy. Yeah, you can never get that. You
0: never get that clear. See, and and that us. doesn't even look as cloudy as I remember the wheat beers. Oh, is the, that right? Yeah. Uh, mm, that's tasty. Mm-hmm. No, and this is very tasty. Well, very full flavor, um, almost a burnt caramel flavor, mm. I would say. Toasted caramel, but I really toasted caramel. Uh, Very enjoyable, very full for a nice cold day. And we've been having a lot of cold days lately. So So I wanted to to speak about a a story that we had come across uh, a little while ago uh, about a group of nuns in Belgium. And I guess that they had been having uh, some difficulty. So it's an abbey of 20 or so nuns uh, in Belgium, and they had a leaky roof. And they didn't really have the funds to repair the leaky roof. And when you think about abbeys, we don't often realize that they really don't have a source of income. And the nuns and the monks, their job is to prey. Right? So they're not always generating income. And so these nuns were trying to figure out a way to pay to redo their roof. And what they ended up doing was teaming up with a local brewery to brew some beer and sell the beer and use the, the profit from the beer to pay for their roof. Now, this abbey in Belgium uh, is Dret Abbey. Now, when I first looked... Easy for you to say. Easy for me to No, it wasn't easy for me to say. When I first looked at it, I was actually going to pronounce it completely different. So actually what I did when I saw it because knowing in Belgium, because there's both the French and the Flemish, and sometimes the words are not exactly pronounced the way that they, they seem that they should. So I actually dropped a line to my buddy in Brussels, and I said, we're doing a podcast. We're going to be talking about this abbey. How do I pronounce it properly? And I said, Is it Maredrette or Maredrette? And he sent back and he actually uh, gave us a voice pronunciation for us. I'm just going to play this here you now. Hopefully, that I'm you know, better turn the volume up on my phone as well so that we can hear it.
1: L'abbaye de Maredrette. Salut!
0: which
1: which helps absolutely no one from the english-speaking world to to actually get their wrap their uh listening their ears around that particular pronunciation but you can tell that wasn't that wasn't a fake um phone call that he sure said that very well and i could never pronounce that word that's just just too difficult
0: so thanks to my my buddy Uh, un grand merci mon ami Didier who uh, comes de, de Bruxelles. So uh, a big thanks to my my friend Didier uh, out of Brussels um, for the Marie Yes. Abbey. When they started, they started doing well. Robert,
1: you're saying yeah. that I I you sent me the article as well, and they're up to like
0: three hundred thousand, brewing three hundred thousand bottles per year. I mean, per that's year. pretty
1: impressive. Yeah.
0: And so they started on the project three years ago. Wow. And like anything, especially with the beers. Uh, it takes a little time to get it together, uh, so it was a three-year project before they started selling the beers with John Martin Brewery, which is out of Belgium. Uh, and John Martin was an Englishman who emigrated to to say, Belgium yeah. too. John Martin. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's an easier Belgian name that's to, not to, that to say. To Belgium is it? Yeah. yeah, but they were they were looking. They wanted to brew beers that kind of went along with the uh, the Benedictine history and values which of, is of
1: fascinating because you sent that along as well and i didn't realize i mean I, I knew there was a lot of beers being brewed in these monasteries had no idea that when they had these orphanage back in the medieval period and before everybody drank beer even the children right? yeah, yeah. Like this so, was the safe thing to do was to drink beer you didn't know about the water you didn't know about the milk but you knew beer was going to be safe right because the way it was brewed so the children had a pint as well as everybody else
0: yeah because you have to boil the beer the pr- right. part of the process I mean, of, of brewing process, is, right? yep. is boiling it uh, so that kills off all of the bacteria uh, the bacteria yeah. that's in there so brewing was always a big part of the the monastic culture and they had different beers for for different uses so uh, they would have produced an, an ultra light beer to give to the kids mm-hmm. probably something close to the non alcoholic beer that we have oh, now yeah,
1: do you think it says light beer It doesn't say ultra light but i would imagine there would have still been some
0: alcohol in that probably there, there has to be a little bit because right. you're using the yeast to get the carbonation and alcohol is the, the byproduct of that and, and it would have fed them well too right
1: because they would they mentioned like a liquid bread like it's, it was a good cheap meal for to
0: give to yeah. the children well i i've always said beer is a cereal yeah, absolutely. Right. So, yeah, yeah. And, and saying that and giving the, the light beer to the children, uh, other friends of ours, and this is back in the seventies. So these w- would have been friends of my parents, and, and I knew the the kids. Um, the father of the family was transferred to Brussels on business in the mid seventies, and so the whole family obviously went over. And the son, who is our age, so at the time he would have been maybe grade one or grade two, uh, after the first day of school, came home and wanted to know if he could have beer packed in his lunch like the other kids did. <laughs> so that must have
1: been certainly a, an ultra light beer, like you say. I like it. And you, as you mentioned, the article mentions they are increasing their numbers, uh, hopefully to get more beer out. But they cannot, we cannot get it here yet, right? Only in Italy and Spain, I believe, along with Belgium, of course.
0: Yeah. So, from the Aletea article, um, now they are exporting to Italy and Spain. Uh, obviously, you can also get it in, in Belgium. And the plan is within the next couple of years to get up to about 3 million bottles a year of production. Impressive. So, maybe when they get it up to that, yes, they will be able some. to send it over. Yeah. Now, the the beers that the nuns are brewing, and, and it's not the nuns themselves that are, are brewing. Right, doing the brewing. Like a, a lot of the Abbeys are doing this is where it is an Abbey beer because it is mm. brewed in conjunction or under the guidance of the Abbey. Right. But all of the brewery is being done by professional brewers. Right. It's being done. Uh, a lot of instances in these larger breweries, right? But and not not all of them, though. Some of them, no, right? So, like some there's of still them. a few that brew
1: their own. Because if you if you went on, there was a couple of videos, and I, you could see the monks where they've got the microscope and they're doing their, you know, sample tasting and stuff. So there's still there's a lot of them are still involved in
0: the process. And there's different distinctions for that. And right, we'll have to talk about that on on another. We should just have that yeah, absolutely. You know what I liked is the
1: fact that they can enjoy, and I, I noticed that like they're only allowed to enjoy enjoy a bottle themselves on the Sunday, which was the case with most of the Trappists, right? They could only um, they could only do the Sunday drinking; they couldn't imbibe any time else. Yeah, but that, that's just yeah. it. Like
0: that, the nuns themselves are allowed to enjoy one bottle on Sunday uh, for themselves, and a lot of the the monasteries, it's the same. Uh, hopefully we're, we're starting the line. We will have a brewing monk actually on the show uh, in and around June. So we'll be able to maybe get a little bit more of information from that. Now I can't say that the, the beers that the nuns are brewing are not exactly ultra light beers. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you noticed that. So they actually have two labels that the the nuns are building are brewing. The Meritre Altus, which is an amber ale, right? comes in at 6.8%. Well, that's strong. So that that's is not, strong. That, that no no that that's that's <laughs> that's medium for that. I mean, you're saying you can't drink like a nun there buddy uh, or
1: You know what? I I I don't recall having I mean I've I've had a 7% but in the last I don't know how many years I don't think I've got ever, ever had a beer up to 6.8 in the last few years for sure. But it gets well, even stronger, doesn't it?
0: Well, and I know you prefer the blonde beers. Yeah, I like the blonde beers. You yeah. like the blonde beers? Like I would enjoy the amber ale. I know you prefer the blonde beers. Well, the meradret triplus. So it's uh, I believe when it's a uh, triplus, it's three times fermented, comes in at eight oh, percent. So wow. it's kind of like my Baltic porter here. Beautiful.
1: Yeah, but I don't like I, I notice you put some different spices beside them and stuff. That, that to me, I, I, I have to taste these because those those aren't. Making me attracted to the beers.
0: Yeah, and those are the tasting notes that the nuns yeah. provide themselves. So the, the yeah. Altus, the Amber Ale, uh, they say it has a taste of clove and juniper, which for me is a wintry kind of beer. I've always said I'm not a beer snob. I'm not one that's going to spin it around in the glass and say it has a hint of this and a hint of that. I know what I enjoy. Clove and juniper, clove maybe but the the juniper yeah you're right throws me off a little bit yeah. and the and second for, one too for the triplets the coriander and sage um, sounds more to me what i put on the turkey at christmas sounds like i'm making a dish yeah something in the kitchen
1: but uh, i mean we'll try it if it comes out here we'll give it a try for we'll sure. give it,
0: and if it doesn't come out here we'll have to make a pilgrimage one day
1: right and so when they we get so they're starting to generate some profits and revenues robert so where is this other than the, fi- the roof, which we hope is fixed at this
0: point, where else is a lot of the money that they're generating going to? Well, you know, hopefully it goes into uh, promoting vocations. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing we, we tend to forget too is that you know, the monasteries and the, the convents would have day-to-day needs as well. Like we said right from the top that they, they really don't have a whole lot of different revenue streams besides the the goodwill of benefactors
1: right so between making the beers or the cheeses or the breads or whatever they do or the preserves i know a lot of them do jams and preserves that's basically a source of income they all seem to have the Trappists or some of these monasteries a source of income which really helps in kind of keeping up the day-to-day expenses like you say
0: yeah but that would be very minimal in a lot of ways that the income that stuff like that would be able to produce unless they're going on a large scale and it at that yeah. point then too well, then they're having to outsource a lot of things
1: right and you've got overhead expenses with three million bottles per year if they get up to that for sure
0: well hopefully you're returning your bottles for the deposit there too right yeah exactly and i <laughs> and i know in europe they're they're much better the system for that is is much much better but you know kind of thinking about this notion of, of minimal revenue streams for right the convents and for the monasteries it had me thinking about there was a podcast i was listening to a month or so ago about catholic stuff you should know mm-hmm. uh, and catholic stuff you should know had i think they had a four or a six-year run it was a number of priests out of colorado that would just kind of like us get on and, and chat about catholic stuff you should know mm-hmm. and they were talking the, the one time about one of them was saying, as far as, you know, helping to support a local convent, because he'd gone on retreat at a, at a convent and that they were praying for him. And he had gone on retreat as a seminarian. Um, one of the sisters there said she would pray for him. And if he had any other intentions and he, he mentioned another intention for someone else that, that he knew and, and then left. And then it was about seven years later that he went back and ended up meeting the same sister. And she asked, Well, how is so-and-so doing? As I've been continuing to pray for them, like for seven years. He figured she would have forgotten. You know how a lot of times we'll say to someone, Yeah, I'll pray for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, And you kind of kind of mm-hmm. forget it. But she had been praying for seven years. And so that really is their job. The, right. the nuns in yes. the convent, and especially the cloistered ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, their job is to to pray. pray.
1: But a lot of them, like you say, have this economic, I think that was certainly with the Benedictines, they had to be financially or economically independent. So a lot of them Mm -hmm. took on these different, uh, the beer, the the bread, the preserves, the cheeses in order to make sure that they were self-sufficient, right? They didn't have to rely on anybody else.
0: Yeah. And it depends on the order. So again, the Benedictines and the Benedictine model of Work and pray, ora et labora, prayer and work. Uh, So work does make up a a part of their day, and they are supposed to be self-sufficient. Right. Right. But self-sufficiency doesn't always pay for the leaky roof. No, absolutely. I mean,
1: like you say, we've got the Jesuits near us here, and a lot of retreats would help out with some of the bills there. They certainly wouldn't be making any beer, or we'd know about it, wouldn't we?
0: Yeah, yeah. And... So the this priest on Catholic stuff, you should know, uh, asked the sister, you know, thank you. He said, first of all, thank you for praying for, for me and praying for my intention for these last seven, yes, years. seven years. And he's like, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything the sisters need that I can do for you? And her comment was toiletries, right? And that's something that those of us in the, the laity, We kind of take for granted when the toiletries run out, you run off to the drugstore, the supermarket, and you you pick up the the soap, shampoo, or or whatever that you, you need. And she's like, we need toiletries. So he's like, okay, I'll do that. And then he was saying too, the other thing, conundrum that comes out of that is that when we go to donate these kind of things, and I know we see it as teachers because two or three times a year at school we'll do a food, food drive, and mm-hmm. part of the food drive is, is toiletries. toiletries. But even yeah. with the, the foods, uh, when we're donating these things, a lot of times we go and grab the cheapest thing that's out there and donate that. Well, is that really something that you would want to use? No, but uh, – so when you're making these donations, you know, think about what is something that I would enjoy eating? Yeah. What is something I would enjoy using? What What is a toilet treat that, that I would like to use? And speaking of the the brewing nuns, and again, this priest was uh, looking to help out a cloistered convent. Right. You know, one of the things that the sisters were looking for were feminine hygiene products. Okay. And the sister said, yeah, uh, Quality does make a difference, hmm. and I completely believe that. Yeah. So, for me, the reason why I wanted to bring this up and talk about this is actually to encourage our listeners. Look into: is there a, a convent or a monastery nearby right. in your region? What are their needs? What, what are the are, needs? are their needs? Yes, we pray for them. Yes, we pray for vocations. Yes, we can send. A check, okay. but really, what do they need? What are their day-to-day needs? And yeah. how Well, you know what? I,
1: I, I like. I think if if you know if they don't want to call up and they don't want to, you know, and then they're put through the ring, you know, to kind of get to the person who's. I, I think a check is always certainly all these.
0: Uh, they won't say no.
1: They won't say no to a check, and they can then buy the stuff that they need. So I think that's really important. Not only can you donate stuff, but you know, financially, a lot of these places do need. need our support right and if we can if you can you know you make out your checks to your share life and to all the different charities that we donate to yeah i i would have i don't donate to those and i i think that's a really good point i might start looking at that on a yearly basis now
0: yeah and one of the things that you say you can send a check they can go out and get it. right think about though and look into are there any cloisters around because the cloisters they can't just Step out, get right. in the get get in the, the, the monastery van, right? yeah. and and go pick up whatever they need. Right. So that's just something something to keep in mind. Okay, well, you have some quotes for us this week, uh, Robert. So yeah, a uh, couple of co- quotes to to put out there. One of your favorite writers, I see. We've we've got up first here. Yeah, uh, so G.K. Chesterton, uh, like you say, one of my favorite writers. I, I think you enjoy reading from yeah, him I as really well. Yeah,
1: bit of him, yeah.
0: yeah and it's, I wanted to throw him in there because, it, you know, we tend to talk a lot of quotes about saints, but, you know, even people who are not recognized saints, saints that have been recognized by the church, also have a, a lot of good things to say. Uh, so, and this one caught my eye. I saw it on Twitter yeah well before you go we
1: we we end with gk every every uh session do we not so you've you've brought another one which i think is a really good quote yeah brought
0: another and so i and i saw it on twitter again one of our former guests the cordial catholic had thrown this out out there as well so and it, it just grabbed my eye because yeah i i thought it so true so true so chesterton tells us bread and cheese and beer is the best meal in the world. Beautiful. Covers the four food groups. Covers the four. <laughs> Where's my bread and cheese? I can
1: bring my own beer. You need to supply the bread and cheese because you're right. There's nothing like a good piece of bread, a good piece of bread and, and some cheese. It's just, it's like beer, isn't it? It's just so varied. There's so many different kinds.
0: Yeah, well, is it Charles de Gaulle said, you know, how can you govern a nation that has 365 different kinds of cheese? Jesus, yeah. Um I don't know if that's the exact quote, but it was, right, it was right. something, something along those lines. And yeah, so when I looked at that, yeah, yeah it has to be French bread, like a nice baguette, the mm, real yes, crusty could, ones with yeah, yeah. a lot, a lot of bubbles inside. Know, so I a nice picture. crusty baguette. And then I said, "Georges, okay, so, so are you thinking hard cheese or soft cheese now?" No, I'm no, thinking, no. I'm thinking of the the cheese that comes from my father-in-law's island, Saint oh, okay. George's cheese. So. Okay and it's not really all that well-known outside of the Portuguese community, but if you can get to a Portuguese grocery store and ask for cheese from St. George's Island. Now the Island of St. George is 50 kilometers long by eight kilometers wide and produces uh, most of the cheese consumed uh, by most of the, the, the Portuguese community. Uh, and you can, it can, and it varies even within the Island. It, that cheese varies you can get some from the southern end of the island from topo that's a very creamy cheese right and then from the northern end of the island if it's been aged it's a lot like a, an aged cheddar an aged witch so that's, it's a very yeah. a very sharp cheese. sharp
1: yeah that sounds nice though with a nice piece of crusty baguette oh.
0: yeah i mean they would say they wouldn't want a but they would want a pop sick which is like a pop sick which is similar to a it's a bun like a roll, but it is very similar to the baguette in, in consistency. Yeah. And then I said a nice Belgian Trappist ale, mm. and you go go with all three of those Beautiful. together. Uh, and really, when we were in Portugal or when we we're visiting my my in laws, that's breakfast: bread yeah. and cheese. Bread and cheese. We don't have beer for breakfast. Right. Not um, early. Bread and cheese. huh? Yeah, bread bread, bread and cheese thing. is is the 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 breakfast staple. Beautiful. and it's absolutely absolutely yummy so maybe we'll have to do pints
1: pints and pews and cheese or something or like you know have have a little snack with our beers next yeah
0: maybe when things open up we can do a a little beer and cheese tasting event that would be that would be great hey that'd be a really good idea yeah i wonder if
1: there's as many beer and cheese tasting events as there are wine and cheese everybody seems to talk about wine and cheese but nobody really talks as much about beer and cheese do they
0: I, th- I think if we were to dig out there, we would we would find something. Find something, yeah. So, okay, I've got one
1: because this is the, something I actually, you know, many times I unfortunately um, do this, and I think this was a good one from Saint Jacinta Marto. She said, because we say it's Saint Jacinta, "Speak ill of no one and avoid the company of those who talk ill about their neighbors." And of so we do that
0: often, don't we? All the time, yeah. And I'll talk about that in a second. It's Jacinta Marto? Is Jacinta Marto. Yeah. So she was one of the seers at Fatima. Oh, nice. she was. She was one of the three shepherd children at, at, that saw Our Lady at Fatima. Portuguese again, and Portuguese. and Portuguese. I believe she was the first to die. Her and her brother Francisco um, both died in shortly childhood after, didn't they? shortly yeah. after the, the visions um so yeah so that that's who who that is but, yeah speak ill of no one and avoid the company of those who talk ill about their neighbors i guess that means we can't hang out
1: anymore you know together and
0: together because it, like you say it's such a temptation it is a temptation it's something that we're all guilty of and we continue to do it
1: we don't want to do it and we end up doing it and i don't know why it's you know why yeah. we
0: continue to do that yeah and i had uh an enlightenment on, on this issue a few weeks ago. Uh, And I know it's something, it's someone that, that you and I have spoken about and I don't want to go into too huge, huge details um, because in a lot of ways, a a little bit of, of shame on my part on this, but just, there was someone uh, whose their idiosyncrasies drive my idiosyncrasies bananas. Okay. Right uh, in like oil and water. pretty much, right? yeah. pretty much. Uh, and I know we, we've talked about this person before and, and yeah, I need to get to, to confession on this. And then one day I, I learned that he was actually quite ill. Thanks be to God uh, and thanks be to modern medicine. He's fine now. Uh, believes that that the illness has been eradicated and and all is good but for me it was just a reminder to be more compassionate Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and to uh you know not be always looking for the faults in others because i had a pastor before that said you know when you're when you're pointing at someone remember there's three fingers that are pointing back at you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So a little bit more empathy for, for some people maybe we disagree with, right? Oh, oh for your enemies.
1: I know. It's difficult for sure. at
0: times, right? For sure. Yeah, that whole whole notion of, of empathy. Uh And because we don't know, we only sometimes see what's on the surface. We don't know what's... Yeah, what's and that's a really
1: good point, Robert. Sometimes, you know, people are having a bad day or somebody's crossed you and we, we don't know the full story behind it, do we? So we've got to remain remind ourselves to hold our tongues at time
0: and your next one well well, actually i was gonna say i I love the second part of your quote as well and which is to avoid the company of those who talk about their neighbors because like we were saying just as we were beginning to to look at that quote we get sucked in you do you get in a company of two or three or four and then you end up talking about people and you think to yourself why
1: and then you feel later why why did you go down that route? you know you didn't have to do that you didn't have to partake in that
0: We did. Exactly. Uh, The temptation is great. That that It's that looking for acceptance. I want to be accepted by the people that that are around me. So if they're going to go down that rabbit hole, I might as well go uh, along with them. Good point. It is kind of an acceptance thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I think, and it comes back to, and not just with this, but with any of, uh, of the temptations that we wrestle with we shouldn't put ourselves into the near occasion to sin or near occasion to sin. Yeah. Right. That's so a for really good point, for example, I know I have a problem with gluttony, right?
1: Right. Yeah, I know that you have a problem with gluttony. I, I, yeah. I, I so agree. please don't,
0: so please don't invite me yeah. to the Mandarin no. for buffet Chinese dinner. Right.
1: Yeah. All I got to do is take, uh, see your photos of your uh, in-laws uh, Christmas and various holiday feasts to see that and you do it you, you know what it's a beautiful feast but it's tough you're right lots of
0: food lots of desserts lots of rich foods lots yeah. of drink and so whether it's talking ill of others or uh, like i said for myself gluttony for other people uh, you know it could be the temptation to to sloth right right this is not, not putting ourselves in that that near occasion to sin right but enough about me with the sloth. Let's move on to, let's move on to your next beautiful quote, uh, Robert. saint Teresa of Avila. Uh, so staying in the Iberia. See, I would have Pinesia. said Avila.
1: I think most, so it is, so we, the English speaking, would have said Avila, but it's pronounced actually Avila. Avila. Okay.
0: Okay. Avia. And, and sorry that I do that. It's just having traveled so no, much. No, that's in, good because in, really, been it, been through, you just get used the, to that. Yeah. The proper pronunciation. Yes. Yeah. A sad saint is a
1: bad saint. Yeah, that's a great quote. I love that.
0: A sad saint is a bad saint. And I've I've heard it said, too, like, nobody likes a sour saint. Sour saint. Have joy. You're After talking that,
1: about the faith. You're talking about Jesus. You you should be happy. You should spread that joy. I mean, you can't go with a dour look on one's face. That's not going to attract anybody to the faith, is it?
0: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, w- what is our number one job? Our number one job is to bring souls to Christ. Absolutely. And, and you know
1: what? All the guests you've had on, both we've had together and in my absent, and I, I can say that. You didn't see, not that they're saints yet, at least, but there was that joy there, Robert, when you were when we were speaking them, when you were speaking with them. Right, you don't want a sad. Nobody wants a glo- you know gloomy looking fellow or you know. Lady so talking so, why, so why do you hang
0: out with me then? <laughs> no, there's, there's lots of time. There's lots of time. Right. Maybe the joy comes from the beer. I don't know. But but outside of that, you. no. You want to be attractive. Yes. Uh, you want people when they look at you and say, "I want what Dennis has. I, mm-hmm. I want to." follow Dennis I want to be like him I want to follow Robert
1: absolutely and the thing is Robert you just have to think of some of the people that we've enjoyed both reading and seeing it's people who are and you you know you look at these people think hey we'd like to have them on the show why because they've they've got that joyful exuberance about them right they're happy talking about the faith They're most excited talking about the faith correct
0: correct correct and thinking of having joy as well it's not just while you're having a beer or not just while you're you're talking with friends but having that joy in the hard times right and in the laudati app this past week one of the the meditations was you know lord help me to have the joy of carrying my cross alongside you nice so it, it's not just the joy in the good times, but the, the joy when our cross does become heavy.
1: Yes. yes. And, and
0: our cross does become burdensome. That's when the joy is most attractive. Yeah, good because point. people are going to be looking at you saying, you know, they have every right to be miserable. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, case in point is yourself. Yeah. When you were going through.
1: I know. And, and the that, fact that you mentioned that, and I, I think maybe that it could have been more. Maybe I was, you know. Maybe they look at somebody like that, say, "Hey, when the t- when the going gets tough, look at them now. They're gloomy yeah, and, and sad, right? They should but, still have that."
0: But I don't think you were,
1: because uh, you know, I I, try, I, I, but...
0: I would I would call you up and we would chat and would be chatting like yeah. we were doing now, and and we would laugh and uh, you stayed strong in the faith, you stayed close to Christ, and you were able to say, "Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, I'm not feeling well, like." Yeah, I can hardly get out of bed, but yeah. Christ is with me. God is good. And, you know, we'll, we'll, well send these a... fun texts back and forth. Yeah, we would we'll have that fun text, this... yeah. Right? This is
1: certainly a time for inner reflection. But, uh, yeah, you know, it just, I don't know. We just uh, I think it's a great quote. A sad saint is a bad saint. And I, I think sometimes we have to make sure that the person that we're speaking to at that time maybe needs to see that. Joy on us, if they're if they're ever going to follow,
0: follow, and and, and and joy isn't necessarily happiness, right? And, Absolutely, no,
1: you know, no, laughter. We could have be having a bad day at the time, but they have to make sure that you know they don't see the the gloom, the, right? Ex- when they're thinking exactly. of the faith,
0: exactly.
1: Um, <laughs> and the last one I have is from Saint Thomas Aquinas, and I think this speaks to a lot of things because we just have a lot of things that we really are attached to. The things that we love tell us what we are. Cheers, Cheers, buddy. Yours. Yes. <laughs> there we go. There's <laughs> one. The things that we love tell us what we are. So let's remember to prioritize, I guess. That
0: means, hey, Robert, prioritize our things in life. Oh, very much so. And it comes back to Christ's own words, yeah, that where your heart is, where your, right. where, where your treasure lies, so lies your heart. So lies your heart, yeah. Right? And it's what you put in priority yeah. and what you hold in esteem really says a lot about, who you are right, right right and so we need to to look at
1: and that's tough in 2022 isn't it there's so many distractions so many things that are calling for our attention and and um the things that we saying that we love that's who we are unfortunately
0: yeah, so you know, the car that's in the driveway yeah. or the, the size the of the house, mm-hmm. um, you know, which iPhone do you have? Do you have? I don't even know, I don't have iPhone, iPhone Android, I do, but and you, know, you have like the iPhone 3 or something I think like I that. I have
1: the iPhone 6, so I think we're at 12, so I'm halfway there, yeah. <laughs> I, will, I, I will get there eventually, and our money in our bank account too, don't forget, right? That's the big thing as well, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, and we have to be so careful because, uh, again, former pastor uh, of ours, Father Charles, when I was at St. Leo uh, down in Brooklyn, uh, a number of times when something with that kind of theme came up in the scripture readings, he always quoted his mother. Mm-hmm. You never see a hearse pole in a U-Haul.
1: Uh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Can't uh, take anything with you, right?
0: A- a- and those things, they bring us happiness perhaps but do they bring us joy
1: no yeah and the happiness is usually fleeting you're right it's not everlasting joy is it no
0: and and that reminds me and i've never really i've only heard of it i've never really watched there's some show on on netflix about you know organizing and helping you organize your closet or organize your things and you're supposed to pick up each item does this bring me joy (laughs) well if that's the case then the house is going to be empty because none of it really brings us no true joy, like you say, fleeting happiness, but not true joy.
1: No, other than the people in the house, that's
0: that's for sure. Well, e- exactly, and our Lord, our Lord, <laughs> of course, yeah. Right? And that's uh, those have probably been some of the joyous moments of my life. Have been in adoration. Right? There's joy. yep there's yeah. joy there. Not not. A, a, I'll be honest, not every time. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, most of the time, there's a lot of spiritual dryness Mm -hmm. that goes on. But those moments where where Christ does break through whatever wall I've built, there is pure joy.
1: So we move to, I, I was interested, I was really interested in this third, our third little segment here. Um, regarding the holy days of obligation, because as as we went through the article that you had sent, Robert, I would just realized that I think we in Canada probably have the fewer fewest holy days of obligation. Of I think any it was country? It, <laughs> I, I think it, many others
0: that it was it was us and the Czech Republic. Okay. I think I thought uh, the Czech
1: Republic had three, or maybe I was wrong.
0: I, I'm seeing two there, but I know, I know I didn't print off all of the pages. Okay. So, uh, the so you're Republic not going to or... tell
1: me we're, we're we've got like six now or something like that no. See, there was two on the one and then oh that's another is that another country on the... that's
0: a, that's another country because I you get, it right, off, eh? yeah it, it was a 21 page article i wasn't going to print off all 21 pages because right. we didn't know it's great the, the holidays of obligation of, yes. of each country on the the globe so oh hey so i was going to give you a test Yes, but I thought no. I need to give you a little bit of heads up what we're going to talk, talk about, about. And, and give you the the article. Uh, but the, oh, I knew the test. How, I knew the two days for sure. I knew. Okay, I, well, the, the test was actually officially in the Roman Catholic Church. How many right. holy days of obligation are there? I'm going to say eight, because I because had, you're looking at the paper because <laughs> you sent me that article.
1: Now, what I didn't realize, and, and before, you're wrong. A hundred, oh, okay. There's a actually years ago. Yeah, go ahead. There's actually 10. Oh, okay. So why did it say it? it had, Pope Pius X had reduced the non-Sunday holidays from 36 before 1911?
0: Wow. Yeah. It eight. reduced it to eight, and then somewhere after that, a couple more got added okay. back
1: in. But just before we begin on that, I, I, one of my courses when I was doing my degree was, you know, um, a social history of medieval times in the medieval period. And there were a ton of feast days and holy days. I think there were like, I think I looked back and it said around 60, but it seemed there was a holiday every other day. And there was this scrap between, you know, the lords and the serfs and why they didn't want to work on these particular days. So it's quite interesting, the whole history behind the holy days of obligation.
0: Yeah. And we'll talk about that in in a couple of minutes there um, when we talk about working holy days of obligation. Right. Uh, and and we'll mention that but there's 10 according to the the roman calendar there are 10 holy days of obligation and they're actually not feast days they're solemnities yeah so maybe you can just explain to our listeners and myself the difference between the feast day and the solemnity it's it's like a hierarchy right uh, of holiness if you will uh and again i'm I don't have a theology degree, so to to go into great, great detail on that, but you have solemnities, and then you would have a feast day, and then you would have a ferial day, and there might be uh, others in between, and depending on where things land one will take precedence over the other right and and there where that comes into question because there's there's 10 holy days of obligation according to the the catholic calendar plus Mm -hmm. another 52 53 some some of course yeah the sundays right because sunday is also a holy day right of obligation right right but if and they would have different readings Kind of depending, for, for right. depending on, on, on what. So if, if a solemnity falls on a Sunday, mm-hmm. then those readings, the solemnity would take precedence over t- top of the the Sunday readings. Except for, and I'd have to, to dig deeper in here, uh, and I didn't get time to highlight it before we got started uh, in Lent and Advent right those sundays uh take precedence over feast days though i doubt it would take precedence over solemnity well no I think oh, hopefully someone take, will correct me on that yeah no they say the sundays
1: in. of advent lent and easter Tide take precedence over all solemnities which are then transferred to another day thank you yeah
0: okay no thank you for that i couldn't yeah, see no, it no, as, no. as i was yep.
1: talking i couldn't see it there so when we don't celebrate those holy days, Robert, they we don't celebrate, we don't have to attend Mass on those particular days. They're just moved to the nearest Sunday, correct? For a holy day of obligation. We've only got to go on Christmas and New Year's Day, correct? The solemnity of Mary. Is that Sunday of Mary, Mary, in Mother ca- of God in Canada. Canada? Right. In
0: Canada. So okay. Right. So this was going to be my next test question yeah. for you. What are the 10 holy days of obligation without looking at your paper?
1: Yeah, no, I, I I would have got a couple of them. Certainly, I would have got, you know, the solemnity of the Nativity. I would have got the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. And I would have got the solemnity of the Epiphany, the Epiphany of Our Lord and the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Those are the three or four I would have got. The other ones, no. Well, All so, Saints,
0: yeah, yeah. So I'll just read through it here sure. in... The order of the liturgical calendar. So starting from the beginning of of Advent, actually. Right. So we have December 8th, which is the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Right. Which is actually the patroness of my parish. Okay. The 25th of December, which is the solemnity of the Nativity of the Lord. Christmas. First January, solemnity of Mary, the Holy Mother of God.
1: Which, just stop there for one sec, which many people don't realize. Like, if you ask people, you know, on January 1st, you know, they've had a late night or whatever. They don't realize that that is a holy
0: day of obligation. But, yeah, continue. And actually, do you know what that solemnity used to be? Because it wasn't wasn't always called the solemnity of Mary, the Holy Mother of God. It was actually a solemnity of another name. No. And it's eight days after Christmas, eight days after the Nativity of our Lord. So in Jewish tradition, what happens eight days after the, oh, the son of course, is born? The, the circumcision. So it was actually the solemnity of the circumcision of mm-hmm. our Lord and the first time he shed his blood. Interesting. Right. Uh, the 6th of January, which is the Epiphany. Right. The 19th of March, St. Joseph. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Don't forget the 17th in some, in, in Ireland, but go it, on. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I,
0: Ireland, they add an extra one in on the 17th. Sure in there, yeah. Um, the Thursday of the sixth week of Eastertide, which is the Ascension. So that one was, but it's always a Thursday, but it's not, not the same date. Um, the Thursday after Trinity Sunday is the solemnity of the body and blood of Christ. Corpus Corpus Christi. Christi, Yes. It's not just a town in Texas. Yes. June 29th, which is the solemnity of saints, Peter and Paul the 15th of August, which you got, the Assumption of Mary, the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And you also got the 1st of November, all saints. All saints.
1: Now, I don't know why St. Peter and Paul don't have their own separate solemnity feast day. But anyhow, Um, yeah, so there's 10 altogether. So do
0: any countries all celebrate all 10? I believe Italy, at least Vatican City. Right, right, yeah. Would have all 10. Now, and this comes back to what you were, you were mentioning a little bit before, because these aren't always going to land on the weekend. Correct. Right. And so they have what are called working holy days of obligation. And so there can be a single precept or double precept to the holy day of obligation, a single precept for the holy day of obligation. So say uh, the feast of the immaculate conception falls on a weekday, Monday to Friday. Right. Uh, As a single precept, You would only have to get to Mass. You could still go to work all day, go to Mass in the evening. Here in Canada, that's actually moved to the Sunday. Okay. Right? A double precept on a holy day of obligation means not only do you have to go to Mass, you have to abstain from servile works. Mm -hmm. So you treat it like Sunday. Treat it like the Sabbath right now um, when
1: you're saying servile works are you saying you're not required to go to work you're not required you are not to go to work okay so that that would some people could run into problems with that in terms if they had a job and a not and a boss who was not that forgiving I suppose for I, I was just
0: gonna say I would hope not yeah, yeah. I, I would hope that they wouldn't come into that problem I mean again like with Sundays there would be certain dispensations for for certain people depending on um, what profession you work in. Right. 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 Uh, and in some countries, so for example, I, I saw uh, a few weeks ago as we entered into 2022, um, out of Belgium, they put out the, the national holidays and the school holidays so that people could plan their, their calendar. Yeah. Here. So
1: I'm just wondering with a lot of these holy days of obligation now, Robert, I would imagine most of them are working holy days uh-huh. that the double preset you're talking about i i don't see
0: many of them other than you know maybe obviously uh i i, I don't see that happening yeah. I, what i was going to say is like i know for example in belgium and also when i was living in germany right a, a lot of those holidays are still national holidays huh. interesting right. okay um, so the
1: european one, countries might still have a lot of these as national holidays per se yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: and that's one thing like Americans or, or North Americans, Americans, Canadians. I know right. when I've traveled overseas to Europe, it's like, well, what do you mean? The shops aren't open on Sunday. Right? <laughs> uh, I know when I was going to school in Brussels, uh, November was the, the best month going because you had all saints off. All saints, yeah, and then all you, would, you had all souls off. Right. Then you had armistice day. So remembrance day, November right? 11th. Yeah. Off. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then somewhere towards the end of that was the the day of the the birthday of the founder of the university you had that day off it was like every other day we had a day off it's a lot of days in one month uh, I know when I was teaching school in Germany two weeks Christmas holidays two weeks Easter holidays mm-hmm. which is kind of normal across Europe as well two weeks two weeks holidays for Pentecost
1: well we could just do a show on European holidays and the fact that a lot of the a lot of employees get a full six weeks off in, in that in most of the countries in Europe yeah right. Yeah, and not so lucky over here.
0: But I know here in Canada that the Conference of Bishops has either uh, suppressed them, right. uh, which I think is maybe for a couple of them, but uh, a lot of them are moved to the nearest Sunday.
1: Yeah. Is that just because that most the bishops realize that most people couldn't get those days off work? Is that one of the main reasons or?
0: But again, you come back to this notion of it being a single precept day mm-hmm. where the only obligation is to get to mass.
1: Right. And you can
0: yeah. So there your pastor could have his usual nine a.m. morning mass, but right. then have another one at seven in the You'd evening. You'd have
1: to have a seven. Oh, you're so you're saying that none of these they've only we only have the two in canon and none of them are the other. Holy days of obligation are not single precept days.
0: They are just moved to the nearest Sunday. Move to the nearest Sunday or they're they're suppressed altogether. Right. Where if the only obligation is to get to mass, then you can still put in your work day as long as your pastor is going (laughs) to have a mass in the in the evening. Right. That being said, not all pastors will will do that. Uh, I know I've been disappointed uh, a couple of times where for our past our our parish feast day Mm -hmm. right where the pastors yeah, we're going to have a little thing after mass but we're just going to do the 9 a.m mass and then we're going to have you know coffee and donuts afterwards to celebrate i'm thinking but father you know i've got to work i want to come it's our our parish feast day i want to come to mass that day too i don't need the coffee and donuts i just want to get to mass that day
1: Right, right. So most of them should be at least giving it an AM Mass and a PM Mass. Now, on
0: on that day, it would Mm -hmm. look kind of weird for me to go to the neighboring parish if they have a 7 in the evening Mass. And for me to go there, yeah, I'm here to celebrate the Mass for the feast day of my parish, which is closed. Right, yeah, it would be difficult for you that, because that, that your would be little... is the
1: Immaculate Conception, yeah, right?
0: Like, yeah, but... and that's just picking that one out. It could have yeah. been that, but it, it could be for the, the feast day. I know when we were at St. Leo's parish before, right. uh, Father Charles was always very good that even though it was normally a, a 9 a.m. mass that day on the feast of St. Leo, he always had it in the evening. Okay, yes. Followed by a little thing in the hall mm-hmm. for the parishioners to celebrate our right. feast day. No,
1: that's nice, yeah. You've I want to love... make it so that people can get to us, right? I yeah. would love to
0: do procession on the feast days of our parish, but I mean, <sighs> December 8th up here in Canada, it's, you're not going to be doing a procession through town. It's a, it's a little cold for that. That's a little and, cold, this, yeah. and the same uh, uh, St. Leo is, I believe, December 11th. Like it's, right. it's, okay. it, it's just not, it just doesn't work. It, ju- it just doesn't work. Right. But that being said, on those holy days of obligation, if your parish, you can't get to the Mass at yeah, your parish, you there, there's one somewhere close by. It's the same with Sundays. Like people right. say, I can't get to Mass on Sunday because I've got this, that, or the other thing. Well, I, I get it. Maybe in your parish, there's only one or two Masses. And it's not hitting that right time. But within a half hour's drive, guaranteed, there is a Mass you can get to.
1: Right. Absolutely. Or, you know, worse, you stop into a parish, stop into a church for prayers, for adoration. You just recognize that it is a holy day of obligation.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But if any of the Canadian Catholic bishops are listening to this, can we have a couple more, please? All right. (laughs) No, Canadian too. Canadian <laughs> Catholics aren't so lazy that we're well, not going to go. Right? You know what? And I was
1: thinking, our neighbors down south—do they have six? Robert, in I got to, I,
0: I got to flip to that page here. Yeah, not, uh, let's let's take that. a take a look here. It's on. The, yeah,
1: not including Easter Sunday and and Christmas. Another another
0: five, right? Yeah. So Looks one, like. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, but. Uh, no sick because easter sunday easter sunday is right. not easter a whole idea, but it's it's always a right because it's a sunday right um okay, so. the the ascension of the lord right. the assumption of our lady all saints day and the immaculate conception so they they only have four more okay then we have so
1: we could we could do that as well if they could do it we could do it certainly
0: oh for sure for sure
1: Interesting. Well, look at my glass. I think it's it is. It's either time for a refill or it's almost, you're, you, you've are you got almost half a glass there.
0: I've been doing a lot of the talking and the the porter has been mellowing as we go. Did you have any hats left for our listeners or are you giving them all away? Oh, I'm still waiting to give some hats away. Oh, good. Uh, I, I did put it on the Facebook page, you know, are you a winner? So please do check your, your inbox <laughs> that- for that. Are you a winner? Because I've sent out four messages uh, to folks from my own personal account, letting them know that they've won. Good. Uh, So are you giving them a cutoff date for that, Robert? We had said February 1st. Okay. We'll cut it off at February 1st, and then we'll pick two more names, uh, and, and we'll send that out. So, yeah, scramble to check your inbox before February 1st. If nothing's there, after February 1st, start checking again. Right. Because you you could be a winner. It could be a winner of uh, uh, one of these fantastic pints and pews, pews. Uh, ball caps.
1: And our last guest, we still haven't forgotten about you, Robert. We'll get that hat to you by the end of January, hopefully.
0: Yeah. Next time Dennis is out your way, it's in the back seat yeah. of his car. Yeah. Uh, Freezing. Ho- hopefully, none of the kids sit on it. So <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it to you in one piece, Robert. Don't, <laughs> don't piece. worry about that. So... What? Dennis, as I always, the time seems to have flown by, and your hourglass is empty. Mine, not so much, but I think I've been doing a little bit more of the talking today. Oh, that was such a good uh, good conversation
1: and a great beer. Uh, always a pleasure. And um, I'm, yeah, I'm completely empty. 500 mils a pint. You're almost there. Uh, so, but it was a great conversation, Robert.
0: But the pint was pretty good, too.
1: Yes. But it's always a talk, pleasure to talk about our Catholic
0: faith as well. Very true. Very true. And just before we wrap up, perhaps there's just one small favor we could ask of our listeners. If you could take a
1: quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review.
0: And while you're at it, give us a like on Facebook, drop us a line there, or send us an email at pintsandpews at gmail.com. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners. And we'll talk again very soon. Robert? God willing, Dennis. And until then, let's ask our listeners to remember the wise words of G.K. Chesterton.
1: In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together.
0: God bless.